Evening, everyone. Uh, this talk is about how we so easily jump into the future out of the present. We do it so habitually and so constantly that perhaps we don't even recognise it. And, um, and some of our language or our ways of conceptualising our experience kind of give us an indication of how much we're driven to not be present, but to get, you know, to, to, to get into the next moment and the next moment and the next moment. And if you look at sort of broad concepts of religion, like heaven and earth, you know, within those concepts, there's, there's some place up there somewhere or out beyond, and, and that's the reward that you go to for leading a good life. So it's off there in the future somewhere. And if you're a good enough person, then you might, you might get to that place in the future over there. And so that, that sort of idea of heaven and earth, and earth is like a, a bad suffering place that you experience, um, gives, a, gives a kind of religious idea of the way humans think, you know, and the way that we live our lives. You know, it'll, it'll be better in the future somehow, right? And even in Buddhism, um, you know, you could, you could fall into the same trap with nirvana and samsara, you know, that we live in the world of samsara. And there's this thing called nirvana, where it's a problem-free place where, you know, there's no suffering, you know, and, and if you practice hard enough, you'll get there, and it's off in the future somewhere. That's why Thich Nhat Hanh, in the reading um, that we read tonight, says that nirvana is samsara, right? It's not some mysterious place off in the future there, it's right here now in the midst of suffering. And um, so often as human beings, you know, with our experience of dukkha or, or dissatisfaction, um, we, we think of our practice <clears throat> as being something that we'll do where we have no more problems. You know, so again, it's some kind of, it's not an it's not the, it's kind of like the secular version of heaven, right? The, like there'll be a, a place on earth where it's all calm and peaceful and we'll have no problems. And um, in, in reflecting this, I, I remembered um, a piece from uh, one of uh, Ezra Bader's books. Yeah, a lot of you know Ezra, who's come here to teach and is a good friend of mine. And you've probably heard this, this story before, it's funny. But it's called The 84th Problem, for those of you who haven't heard it before. Once a farmer went to tell the Buddha about his problems, he described his difficulties farming, how either droughts or monsoons complicated his work. He told the Buddha about his wife, how even though he loved her, there were certain things about her he wanted to change. Likewise, his children. Yes, he loved them, but they weren't turning out quite the way he wanted. When he was finished, he asked how the Buddha could help him with his troubles. The Buddha said, I'm sorry, but I can't help you. What do you mean, railed the farmer, you're supposed to be a great teacher. The Buddha replied, sir, it's like this. All human beings have 83 problems. It's a fact of life. Sure, a few problems may go away now and then, but soon enough others will arise. So we'll always have 83 problems. The farmer responded indignantly, Then what's the good of all your teaching? The Buddha replied, My teaching can't help with the 83 problems, but perhaps it can help with the 84th problem.
problem. What's that? He asked, asked the farmer. The 84th problem is that we don't want to have any problems. <laughs> <laughs> and Ezra goes on to comment, although we may not realise that we all have the deep-seated belief that if we practice long and hard enough, our problems will disappear. And beneath that hidden belief lies an even deeper one, that life should be free from pain. But as conditioned beings living in a messy world, we will always have problems. Uh-huh. So we could even take this practice, you know, and, and have this sort of deep-seated belief driving this kind of engine, driving us unconsciously in the background, oh, just practice really hard and sit every day and do session and then I'll have no problems. There was a, a monk once, this sounds like a hard teaching, but um, I guess sometimes hard teaching is a good one. <laughs> but there was a monk once who um, said to his teacher in private during the day, he said, um, I've, I've got a um, personal problem, could I speak to you about it sometime? And, and uh, uh, the teacher said, we'll bring it up tonight. So they had an assembly, you know, like we're, we're meeting now. And, and uh, the teacher said, um, the monk with the problem, could you, could you please step forward? <laughs> and then he grabbed him by the, by the robe and he, and he shook him and he said to everyone, look everyone, this monk's got a problem. Uh-huh. Now, you might, some people might interpret that he, he was shaming the monk, but, but what his point was is just this problem. There's just this problem. Mm-hmm. So what's the problem if there's just this problem? If you like, like in Ezra's story, if we recognise that nirvana is samsara, that heaven is here on earth, there are problems, and we we move through one problem after another. But there's always something going on in our life, and it, and the monk was somehow too. In, he, the, the teacher sensed that the monk was just far too invested in this personal problem, making something out of it, you know, um, and he wanted to shake him out of that, out of his. Um, out of compassion, shake him out of this idea. It's just that problem. Mm -hmm. And it's really important um, not to just see this as an interesting, funny story, you know, but to reflect on how that actually applies to our everyday life. Because we, like me, you all, you, you face with various problems that come up in your life, small ones and big ones, etc. And, and you think they, you know, they're going to go away, but then other ones just come up to replace them. Years ago, I used to work as a, a manager in um, Relationships a Council, Relationships Australia up the road in Lane Cove, where I live now. And, uh, and being a manager, um, I thought, there's all these problems coming up, you know, with staff and morale and so on. And... Um, and eventually I get to the place where there, where there aren't any problems, you know, and I actually can maybe focus on visioning the future or something like that. But I was in the job about five years, do you know, and there was just like one problem after another. And I came to the realisation, that's why you're a manager. Right? You're just there to manage one problem after another. That's what you get paid for. Right? But we somehow think there's going to be an end of it somewhere. And the idea that, that they think, we think that um, life is somehow going to end up being problem-free actually creates an extra problem for us. You know, there's a, there's a dissatisfaction and the disappointment that comes with that. Now, that's not to say there aren't 
moments of peace, you know, that we have in our life. And I was reflecting on it that I thought, well, what, what's the least problematic time in my life? And the answer came to me fairly quickly. It's when I'm meditating. When I'm meditating, in a sense, there isn't a problem. There are problems all around me, right? <laughs> including me, I'm a problem. Right? But at that point, you know, of sitting, in a sense, there is no problem. You know, the, or to put it in other Zen words, there's a problem there, but it's kind of empty of any kind of substance. It's just fully accepted for what it is, and you don't add a problem onto the problem. And then other examples of futurizing, if we look at language, look at the word patience. What does the word patience conjure up? Well, if I just sort of, a, if I just sort of uh, keep doing what I'm doing and plodding along, things will get better. Right? And uh, one Zen teacher, uh, Shunru Suzuki, challenged that idea of patience when he was teaching patience as a, a virtue. He thought a better word is constancy. Mm-hmm. Patience has got this idea that in the future, if I'm, if I'm virtuous enough, things will get better in some way. But constancy is just turning up to the moment as it is, right? Without any expectation that by turning up to the moment as it is, um, that it will, all the problems will go away somewhere. Look at another word we use constantly here too, practice. Sounds like a dress rehearsal for something, doesn't it? You practice something until you become perfect, you know, you practice so that you you give a, a, a big performance later on. So even that word has its own own problems within it. Do you know practicing zazen or maybe just being zazen? Practicing sitting, just being sitting. Maybe a better way of wording it. Anyway, there probably are many more other examples. Hope is another one. Hope is hope is the the um, the engine that drives all of us. You know, the hope that the future will be better. That's why I said the words I did during the sitting. Is that we're driven by hope and fear. You know, that the future will be better, and we can avoid negative things occurring to us. But guess what? The future hasn't arrived. Mm.